Welcome back. Welcome back. George Affleck in for Jill this week. And uh, we've got a, we're in our second hour already. And after the news uh, at one uh, we'll hear about a new study that says, you know what? Three drinks a week is all you should have. Three drinks a week. All right. All right. Maybe we'll talk about that. And in our last hour, we're going to talk about paramedics and ambulances. You know, we've heard some horrible stories of what's going on in the interior with ambulances not showing up. We even have stories here locally. Uh, you know, we've this seems to have been going on for some time. And we're going to talk uh, about that in our last hour. We'll also go to the PE for our daily hit. Uh, today, we're going to talk about food. Of course, we love food at the PE and the chef's kitchen they have there, uh, as well as uh, we'll have uh, Jazz will come by and tell us about his big show this afternoon and your buzz line. So call our buzz line anytime throughout the show. 604 331 2899 is the number on anything that we're talking about. 604 331 2899. We love to hear from you, and we play a selection of those at the end of the show. All right, so today is International Overdose Awareness Day, and this morning, drug users from across the province held a press conference to address the 10,000 10, lives lost to illicit drugs since April 2016. And since the declaration of public, you know, we declared it then a public health emergency here in BC. Dolph uh, Compassion Club distributing clean community source drugs was one of the organizations at the press conference this morning. The driving cause of these deaths is the deregulated and unpredictable illicit drug market. What we have is a problem of regulation. What we have is a failure of the regime of prohibition. And that failure does not make it a criminal issue or a medical issue. That failure makes it a political issue. Lots of questions there. Community contributor Eric Chapman talked to Tracy Letts, and she's from Mum Stop the Harm, about what the policies you know, that have been implemented, implemented to stop the deaths. And what, 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 why is it taking so long? Uh, and is there still hope uh, after so much loss? You know, at the beginning when this was declared a, a, a crisis, especially in BC in, in April of 2016, there were some moves made federally. One was, you know, the Bill C-37, which allowed for safe consumption sites across Canada. They really loosened the restrictions and the barriers. They put policies in place that we could get these up hopefully quite soon. But, you know, we're running into those barriers in every single community outside of, say, you know, urban centers like here in Langley we have funding we have funding and money to put an OPS in and we can't find a space because the municipal governments are just not allowing it um Abbotsford's run into the same thing Chilliwack so the South Valley is just crazy um with their politics but that was a good policy so they've made it easier bringing in the Good Samaritan law they made it easier for people to report incidents but that's kind of backfired in some ways but not it was being good all the way around the B, you know, with the BCCDC, you know, providing the some kits to absolutely anybody who wanted one. I think that's been a life saving measure. But other than that, I mean, look, we've had two. We we put in our own Ministry of Mental Health and Addictions. The Feds last year put in their Ministry of Mental Mental Health and Addictions. But I don't feel they've been effective because they really aren't at that grassroots level. They're not listening to people who've lived and lived experiences even though they're, you know, it's committee after committee. But it's what they're hearing is not being put into policy. And I think that's a huge failing on their part is we have this thing in our heads that we know better and we know what people want and we know how to give people what they want, but we don't ask them what they actually want or need. And I think that's huge on our end. It's a failure all the way around. You talked about... uh 
the problems getting an OPS. Is that a lot of the stigma still? Do you think, Tracy, that it's attached to I, that? I completely believe it's stigma. And I, I think, you know, as individuals, we grew we have inherent stigma and we've been brought up in a certain way. And it's really hard to start looking at things from a different lens until it really happens to you or affects you. So I do believe that stigma plays, honestly, I actually think it's the number one, arguably the number one reason behind the lack of political change. And I think because if your community doesn't want to have, you know, doesn't first off believe that there's actually drug users in your community or two, they don't like to see the unhoused or homeless people or three, that that resentment and stigma does build up. And if a politician comes out and supports more radical actions, yeah. um, especially when it's towards life-saving measures that people don't agree with, then they're worried about getting voted back in again. So, yeah, I think stigma plays the biggest part in our communities. But it's, it's been a long process. We've been doing this for years, and we don't feel like we're getting anywhere ahead. So in, in policy wise, you know, some of the policies, the thresholds, like the federal government mentioned, you know, 2.5 gram threshold. Well, that's another case of not listening to people because that threshold doesn't make a difference. It has to be higher because it, it actually creates a different set of harms now. It actually criminalizes people in a way that they may not have been criminalized with under de facto decriminalization before. It also may put people more in stream or in line with what they consider trafficking. So that opens more doors to criminalization. What would you like to see happen in, in the immediate then? I'd like to see the Compassion Club model, if that's the only way we have to go right now, at least it's going to save lives. So maybe just kind of open the doors to that a little bit. I do know, you know, groups like Dolph, they're bringing, they are, they're having to secure their drugs from the black market because there is no other choice. And in reality, every single illicit drug that we're seeing on the street now are bathtub mixes that are made here. We're importing so little. And so that's why we've got away from cocaine and heroin and we've gone to methamphetamines and, you know, analogs of fentanyl with, you know, some benzos and tranks thrown in. I mean, a lot of people you talk to, they're using fentanyl now because they don't have a choice. So I think yeah. if they could relax some of the, the regulations, get the exemptions in place and actually put a framework in that people could get what they needed in, in the dosage that they needed. Because even on the fentanyl patch programs, there's some people that have four and five and six fentanyl patches on their bodies at one time because that's how strong the street drugs are. And that's how much they need as a pharmaceutical equivalent. Are you hopeful that we can turn this around? Do you know what? I am hopeful. I have a son that lives in the downtown east side. Um, I worry and stress every single day about what he's doing. What's Am I going to get that phone call, that knock on the door? Um, yeah, I'm hopeful because I have to have hope. And I'm also hopeful in that I think people are becoming more educated. They're becoming more, recognizing that this is an issue that we all have to put our minds to and and work towards a common solution. I think that there's a lot. Yeah, I, hope, I do have hope. And I do believe that we can get there. I just don't know when we're going to get there because it yeah. feels so glacial that how we're moving now. But I think we just have to get all the building blocks in place and, you know, and kind of do it all at once because a lot of drug users work. They have jobs. 
how, they can't, you know, be showing up at a pharmacy four times a day. What employer is going to allow that? Right. Not that the employer wants them using drugs on their, you know, on their job site either. But it comes down to we have to find a balance and we have to actually start being more of a caring community to, to work t- towards that. So I do have hope, 100%. That's Eric Chapman talking to Tracy Letts from the Mom Stop the Harm. And Eric's uh, with me now. Eric, you know, one, she, at the end, she talked about uh, the people working. And this is one of the things that people forget is a lot of people dying uh, are in the basement suites or, the, you know, their husbands. They're, 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 they're people who mm-hmm. perhaps work in the construction industry. It's not just people on the downtown east side. This 10,000 lives across Canada in seven years where, as she says, it's a failure all around uh, that nothing really has changed in seven years from a policy point of view yeah. that's effective. Uh, but it's people dying everywhere, and that's why I, I don't understand why government doesn't jump on this and move faster on it. Yeah, yeah, George. You know, uh, if there's a there, uh, uh, Garth Mullins, who's a is runs the Crackdown podcast, he told me that there's a, a the studies say that there's around a hundred thousand drug users in all of BC that are reported. So that's not even the people that are coming forward. Because again, mm-hmm. the stigma attacks to this. So if there's a hundred thousand, let's do some quick math. If there's a hundred thousand drug users in BC. And they're all using on the downtown east side. Well, the deaths alone would have eliminated the entire population Mm -hmm. doubled by now. So that's something we just have to start wrapping our heads around that. I know this is difficult to hear, but these are our neighbors. There are construction workers. And yes, they are lawyers. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are doctors. Mm -hmm. They're all these people. They are people that have recovered or are in recovery or are using drugs right now. And as soon as we grasp that, and I know it's difficult. Because we're not supposed to use drugs, and these are the people we look up to. But you got to understand, there's a lot, there's so much wrapped up mm-hmm. in this. We have to wrap our hands around things that don't sound very like realistic or or common because they are, and we yeah. have to we have to know that. Yeah, 